Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Read Through the Bible with Elder Linda. So glad you joined me. Oh, we have a good lesson today. Uh, if you this is your first time coming to the channel, uh, here we read the scripture together. We make sure we understand what we're reading and we make an application to our lives. Uh, also, I post a new video by every Wednesday. So glad you joined me. Give me a thumb up. If you subscribe to the YouTube channel, you'll be notified when a new video is posted uh, on the YouTube channel. Um, also remember that if you have any questions or comments, they're always welcome. Uh, you can indicate that in the, uh, questions, uh, in the comment section on Facebook or YouTube. So last week we, uh, completed chapter 21, where we covered how the chief priests and elders had, was questioning Jesus' authority. Uh, <clears throat> you know, they wanted to know how he, you know, who gave him the authority to do everything that he was doing. And uh, Jesus asked them a question to, to trick, uh, trick them up. Uh, and they couldn't answer Jesus' question. So he said, well, neither do I tell you by what authority uh, I do what I do. And then also Jesus gave two parables uh, directed, directed at the Pharisees, uh, and directed at the chief priests and elders. And the, two, the parable, two parables, one was about the two sons. The one son... Uh, the father had told the sons one to uh, go and work in the vineyard. One said he wasn't going, going to go, but he changed his mind and went. The other one said he was going to go and he didn't go. So we talked about that and how, uh, you know, let your yay be yay, your nay be nay. Uh, if you say you're going to do something, you need to follow through because it's not what you say, but it's what you do. Uh, and also then there was the, the last parable, the parable about the vineyard, the wicked people that uh, did not uh give the king what he had due from the vineyard and how god was going to destroy those uh wicked uh, vineyard keepers because they did not do what they were supposed to do they were not good stewards <clears throat> so today uh we're going to be in chapter 22 of matthew and um i don't think we're going to finish the chapter but we're going to you know make a stab at it and you know see how the holy spirit leads us um but today we'll be talking about a wedding feast. We're going to be talking about uh, a question about paying taxes that Jesus is going to be um, asked about. We're going to be talking about the question about the resurrection. Uh, a question that he's going to get about the most important commandment. And a question about uh, Jesus and David, their relationship to one another. <clears throat> And then just remember that we're still on we're still on the the Holy Week. This is still the Passion Week, and the events that we're going to read about in Matthew 22 would all fall. Most of the scholars say on Tuesday. This would be Tuesday, the Tuesday before uh, his resurrection. He's going to be resurrected this coming Friday. So this is the Tuesday before Friday when he's going to be. I mean, not resurrected when he's going to be crucified. Uh, Okay, so let's just jump on in there and give a uh, start with a word of prayer. <clears throat> Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, we praise you. Lord, we recognize, Lord God, that we can do nothing without you. Holy Spirit, we're asking that you would come in and that you would take over, oh God, take over our lives. Father, meet all of the needs that are out there, oh God. Lord, you know what each heart is crying out for. And I just pray for everyone that's listening at the sound of my voice. Father, that you would meet their needs. That you would comfort them as only you can. 
Father, that you would show them the way, that you'd be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, now even as we do this Bible study, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come in and be the teacher. For we know without you, we can do nothing. We praise you, we honor you, we magnify you, and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So amen. <clears throat> we're going to start, and I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. And as I said, we're in Matthew chapter 22. And we're going to read down from verse 1 through 14. And then uh, Paul can talk about that before we go to the next section. So in uh, Matthew 22, it says, Jesus also told them other parables. And he said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. Okay, so this is the first invite and they all refused to come. Verse four. So he sent another ser other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared. The bulls and the fetid cattle have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. So they're being pretty rude. So this is the, sec this is the second invite they're getting and they're ignoring the invite. And then some of them are being so uh, ruthless as to kill the messengers that are coming and telling them that there's a wedding, that there's a, a feast going to be ha had here. Verse seven, the king was furious and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. They're not even worthy to come. So now go out, and in verse 9, go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So he, he's not even having respect to a person. He doesn't invite everybody, everybody that you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who was wearing who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Now you have to assume here that since this was this, it's a parable and it's this king's wedding, he's a king, so he's got finances, he has money. So he, I'm sure he, he had garments, wedding garments for everyone that he invited to this wedding. So there's really no excuse for this man to not be, to not have on a wedding garment. And that's probably why the king is so shocked because he knows that, he supplied everything, so it's a surprise for him for this man to come in without a wedding garment on. So he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Amen. I remember this is a parable. A parable is something that's told to teach us a lesson, uh, 
to show us something. And what uh, Jesus is showing us here in this parable, uh, the king who's having the wedding feast for his son uh, represents God. And the son, of course, represents Jesus. And God has prepared a great feast for us. He's, he's prepared a reunion for us, uh, a wedding of, of, of the, the, the bride and, and the groom. He's been preparing that. So he called, and you can actually look at this in, in two different ways. Let me, let me not get ahead of myself. Uh, you can look at this as the first call that he gave. Remember, there were two invitations sent out. The very first invitation uh, could have been the fact that he sent John the Baptist saying, prepare you the way of the Lord. And people ignored John the Baptist. In fact, John the Baptist was beheaded. Then the second invite you can you can look at even as Jesus himself, who came saying, I am the Christ. Prepare yourselves. Uh, uh, come into the marriage union with me. Uh, repent. He was saying, he's saying the same thing that John the Baptist is saying, telling the people re to repent, to follow Jesus, to accept him as their Lord and Savior. So that was the second invite. And still, even after the second invite, some people still did not accept Jesus. So we can look at that as the Jews. Another way to look at it too is also that the Jews who uh, were given the original invite, the promise of the Messiah, they were also the first people Jesus went to when he came, letting them know, I am here, I'm the Messiah. And even after that, they still did not receive him. And how do we know they didn't receive him? Because remember, the Jews were the very people that were crying out, crucify him when he was crucified. They turned against him. They did not accept him. So even talking about this wedding, uh, according to the Nelson Study Bible, uh, a couple would... Uh, made a marriage contract. This is what, what the procedure they will follow. A couple would make a marriage contract. Then a year later, the groom would go to the bride's house where she's presented to the, to the groom. And then there is a nighttime wedding procession to the groom's house where a festival or a big banquet is held. Now, According to the Nelson Study Bible, this, this festival could last seven days or, or longer, depending on how much money the groom's family had. So if you look at, through the scripture, you're going to find that a wedding feast is used to represent God's kingdom coming on this earth. It's used to represent the kingdom. And you can find that if you read Matthew, and I'm just going to give you these scriptures and you can look them up in your spare time. But Matthew chapter 8, verse 11. Look up uh, Matthew chapter 25, verse 10. It's all a scripture talking about the great wedding that's being prepared. Uh, Isaiah 25, 6. Luke 14, 15 through 24. John 2, verse 1 through 11. And Revelations chapter 19, verse 7 through 9. So often through the Bible, God speaks of a wedding and the preparation of a wedding. And we've been called the bride of Christ. The church is called his bride. 
So there's going to be a wedding. We are going to be married to Christ. In verse 3, it was talking about how uh, some just refused to come. So in reading that, now we know he was giving a parable uh, to let us know that he wanted us to get a spiritual lesson from this. And the spiritual lesson for us is that we should not refuse to come when, he, when Jesus calls us. When he's, when he's bidding us to come into the wedding because he wants to sup with us. He wants to be one with us. He wants to be married to us. Uh, why would a person refuse salvation is a question that we need to ask. And a couple of reasons that I heard people say that they're not ready to give their heart to the Lord uh, is just that. One said, well, I'm not ready. I'm not ready yet to serve the Lord. And there's a lot of people that feel that way. It's not that they don't believe in, in God, not that they don't believe in Christ, but they're not ready yet because they think it's going to be too much requested of them and they're not ready to give up anything. Some people don't want uh, salvation right now, refuse salvation because they simply don't understand it. They don't understand it and they don't see their need for Jesus. Why do I need Jesus? I don't get this. Uh, and then other people just flat out don't believe in Jesus. Now, I don't believe in that Jesus stuff. Don't come talk to me about it. I don't believe in that. <clears throat> well, for the person that says, I am not ready yet, please, please, please let me remind you that tomorrow is not promised. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know when our number is going to be up. I uh, recently heard of a couple of people that I know that just recently passed away, uh, you know, and, and you know, even even as as a nation, when we went through this this uh, the pandemic, people were dying left and right, and we had no idea that we were going to be hit like that. Five years ago, if you had told us that, we would say, "Oh no, uh, -uh that's not going to happen in the United States." We probably would have been surprised about that. But look what happened: thousands of people died. So, for those that say I'm not ready yet, tomorrow's not promised. Please, please don't put off for tomorrow what you can do for today because you don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow. Yes, and I hope I am scaring you. I hope that, it, that it's at the point where, you know what? I better accept Christ into my heart because I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. Because I'm scaring you, but he loves you. He loves you. And if it takes you being afraid that I don't know what tomorrow brings and I don't want to put off until uh, tomorrow, what I can do today. I'm reminded of that song that the wine is saying, uh, tomorrow, your tomorrow may very well be today. Tomorrow might not ever come for you. Please, whoever you are, stop putting that off. Stop saying that I'm not ready yet and putting it off because you know he's calling you because you, you feel the wooing, you feel him tugging at your heart and yet you, you keep pushing him away because you're not ready yet. Or at least you think you're not ready yet, but you are, you are. It's just a point of just saying yes to him and making up your mind. For those that say, I don't understand why I need Jesus. Well, let me tell you why you need Jesus. You need Jesus because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You need Jesus because when Adam and Eve came, they opened the door. When they sinned, they opened the door and let sin into the world. So everyone that was born after Adam and Eve was born a sinner. We were born needing to be saved, needing to be delivered. 
not of any of our choosing. We didn't uh, start, we didn't let sin in the world, but it came into the world and we were born as sinners. And we needed a savior who was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the answer to the sin problem. He's the second Adam. He's the answer to, to what the first Adam, how first Adam messed up. Well, Jesus Christ came as the second Adam to fix it. And his fix is that you say yes to him, let him into your heart, and he will cause you, amen, to see the Father. He will cause you to be changed. He will erase your sin. He will cause you to stand up to be seen as righteous because God will look at you as through Jesus' righteousness. Our sins and iniquity, he'll remember no more. That's why you need Jesus. So our prayer should be, Father, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Because now is the time, now is the time to give your heart to Jesus. And once you've accepted him into your heart, then start growing in him. Start reading your word. Uh, uh, start spending time with him. Spend time in prayer. Talk to him. Get to know him. But that is why you need Jesus. Because of sin in the world, we all need Jesus. And those that say, I just don't believe in Jesus. Let me remind you that when in Noah's day, and these last days, the Bible says it's going to be just like it was in the days of Noah. So in Noah's day, Noah built a big, a big boat, a big ship, a big ark. And in this big, this big boat, while he was building it, the people of his time had said they had never saw rain before. So they did not think, uh, they actually, they probably thought he was crazy. He's, it's going to do what? It's going to rain. It's going to be a flood. What? You know? Uh, and he's building, it took him years to build this big, huge boat. And he, and they knew what he was building it for, but they laughed him to scorn. They thought he was hilarious. I'm sure they thought he was crazy, but judgment came. He said it was going to be a flood. He was trying to warn the people and a flood came and it wiped them off the face of the earth. No one was saved, but Noah and his three sons and their wives no one else was saved and all the animals that God had ordained to be saved in the ark so that the earth could be replenished. But the point is that you don't want to miss the boat by saying, I don't believe in Jesus. Because what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? It's going to be too late for you. Please don't let your doubts make you miss the boat. Because you will eventually... Be eternally lost if you don't give him your heart. So accept Jesus today. Because tomorrow might be too late. So I just wanted to share that for those out there that have those questions, that maybe have those reservations, that please, please, now is the time. So let's go back to our verse, verse number four. It says, uh, in the Nelson Study Bible, the servants who were sent refers to, because remember they sent a lot of servants to announce that there's a wedding feast. Come on, everything's ready. And these servants that were sent was the type of John the Baptist who was sent saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus who came saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The same thing, the disciples who will be preaching the gospel. Uh, they were more servants that Jesus is going to send, that, that he sent. And with all of these people coming, uh, they killed John the Baptist. 
they crucified Jesus and the disciples were persecuted. So this is what they were doing to uh, God's messengers, the same as in this parable that Jesus is giving. So, uh, say some were too busy to come, too busy to come, because that's another one. Sometimes people say they're too busy uh, uh, to give Jesus a time of day. Well, don't get so involved in what you're doing that you don't have time for Jesus. Something you just gotta make time, make time for him. It's gonna be the best investment of your time you have ever made. Make time for Jesus. Don't leave him out of your life. In verse five, it tells us that some did not call, uh, did not take the call for God's kingdom seriously. They had other things to do. Again, they were busy. You need to take it seriously because where you're going to spend eternity is very important. It's a serious matter. Where are you going to be forever? Think about that. Forever. Investing in, your, in, in Jesus and giving him your heart will determine where you're going to spend your eternity. Amen? You want to spend eternity with, the, with him, with God, and not eternity in hell. Because verse 5, it says, some... Um, Verse six, some mistreated and killed the messengers. They beheaded down the bathroom. We talked about that. They crucified Jesus and the disciples were persecuted. And just remember when uh, God's people are talking, uh, are speaking or whatever, you need to remember the scripture that God says, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. That's in Psalms 105 verse 15. So, so watch putting your mouth on the man or woman of God. You want to watch through on that because you're going to get in trouble for that and you don't want to do that. And not just a man, not, I'm not just talking about pastors and preachers. I'm talking about God's people, period. If, the, if that person belongs to God, you better keep your hands off of them, keep your mouth off of them because they're a child of the king. And he who touches you, God's talking about all of his children, Everyone has said yes to Jesus. Listen to this. He who touches you touches the apple of God's eye. Now, the apple of God's eye is like sticking your finger in somebody's eye. That's how much God cares about you. That could, it, it, it's, a, it's a real touchy subject for him for people to mess with his people. You don't want to do that. Even when we're wrong, even when a Christian deserves to be disciplined, when God sent discipline their way, uh, because I'm thinking about the children of Israel when they were uh, falling into idolatry and messing up and we haven't read all that, but they're going to be making mistakes and then God's going to send a, a judgment against them. But the very people that God uses to judge them, God turns around and gets the people that judge them. It's like, okay, I'm teaching my people a lesson, but I'm going to get you for, for, for teaching them the lesson. But he allowed it. So you don't even want to be the one that God uses to teach his people a lesson. You... Don't mess with God's people. I'm telling you, God doesn't like that. In verse 7, God sent his army to destroy Jerusalem, and he burnt down their city. So uh, this is what happened in verse 7. The king was furious in this parable, and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and to burn their town. This is what happened in the parable. This is actually what happened in the Bible. God allowed Jerusalem to be burned to the ground, to be torn down. 
in 70 AD. So this is about 30, 33 AD, something like that, that Jesus is here, 35 AD, something like that. So about 40 years from this day that Jesus is here in Jerusalem, it's going to be about 70 AD. And God is going to allow that city to be torn down. Remember we talked about how Jesus, when he was coming into Jerusalem, riding on the donkey, he was weeping because he knew 70 AD is going to come and Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. The temple is going to be destroyed. Uh, the city is going to be destroyed. He knew all that was going to happen. So we need to recognize that when God is calling us, we need to heed the call. Because tomorrow is not promised to any of us. Amen. In verse 8, it says, And the wedding, the wedding is ready, but those first invited were not worthy. And, and we know none of us are worthy, but this uh not worthy here. They were not deserving. They were not deserving the grace that was going to be bestowed upon them because they refused it. So that's what made them not worthy because they refused it. In verse 9 through 10, it talks about how uh, Jesus invited whosoever will. He died for everyone, whosoever will. Even though he died for everyone, he's not going to force people to come to him. You have to come to him willingly, and he wants you to come to him willingly. Amen? Only those that accept him will be saved. Yes, salvation is for everyone, but Jesus is a gentleman. He's not going to twist your arm and make you accept him. Only those that accept him willingly will be saved. So the wedding was furnished with both bad and good. Uh, and, and just to remind us that God's call goes out to whosoever will, Jew and Gentile, those that were from the Jewish nation, as well as us who were engrafted in. And the tax collectors, the prostitutes, whoever, God invited them all. Come whosoever will. And he wanted us to come just as we are. Why? Because he's the one that's going to change us into his image. We can't even do it on our own. Just come as you are and say, Lord, here I am. You know, if you can do something with this mess that I am, Lord, here it is. Here I am. Do whatever you need to do. In verse 11 and 12, a guest came in without the proper, without being properly dressed. And we, we mentioned that briefly how uh, there's, there was really no excuse for him because everyone else had on wedding garments and all these people came off the street just like he did. So the king, being rich, obviously had provided wedding garments for everyone. And this guy just didn't see fit to put it on. He didn't think he should put it on. So what are those wedding garments spiritually? Spiritually, our wedding garments and the garments that we're supposed to be putting on once we say yes to Jesus is righteousness. And if you read in Revelation 19, 8, it says, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed or dressed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. So we're going to put on that righteousness. Also, if you read in Ephesians 4, 24, it says, and that you put on the new man. This is what we're doing. Once we accept Christ, we're putting on a new man. It's like putting on new clothes, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. 
So Jesus has a garment prepared for us. And the moment we say yes to him, we are covered by his blood and God sees us through Jesus' righteousness. So we are now in right standing with God. We're in the right relationship with him because of Jesus. Verse 13 says he has, that he was put out. The man that came in without the proper garments was put out and there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, whenever you see that weeping and gnashing of teeth, that usually is referring to hell. It's usually referring to torment in hell. So remember, now I don't know why this guy thought that he was not going to be noticed coming in there any kind of way. But we got to remember that God sees our hearts and we can't fake it to make it. You can't, you're not going to be able to fake it to make it in his kingdom. You're not going to be able to put on the face and people will not see who you really are. God is going to know that you're not dressed properly. He's going to know whether or not you put on the right garments. <clears throat> so allow him to prepare you for his kingdom. And how do we do that? By submitting to his will. This is just that simple. Doing what he tells you to do or what he's telling you not to do. So by submitting to his will and following after him, going where he tells you to go, doing what he tells you to do, he will make sure that we are prepared if we simply just obey him and submit to him. Jesus will make sure we are dressed properly. So we don't even have to worry about it. He's going to make sure we dress properly uh, by the trials and tests we go through. Trials make us stronger. Trials is building character in us. The trials that we go through are making us and changing us into his image. There's a song that we sing, the fire and chastening of my father only comes that I might have the life that he desires to bring forth in me. God has put his, Jesus has given us the proper garments. If we just allow him to, he'll make sure that we're dressed properly. Jesus is our righteousness and he is molding us and making us into his image. And we can, it tells us about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, where it says, uh, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So he was made to be sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God. So those are the garments we're putting on is the righteousness. There's only one way into the kingdom and that is through Jesus. You will not be accepted if you do not come through Jesus. There's only one way. Yes, uh, Christians have been uh, persecuted for saying that there's only one way, but that's just the way it is. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. This is what Jesus said. There's no other way. So even in the Old Testament, you know, you said uh, those that have not, that didn't meet Jesus in the Old Testament. Well, they were brought into the kingdom because of their righteousness. In Romans 4, 20 through 22, it says, talking about Abraham, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. 
That word imputed means it was counted as righteousness, ascribed to him as righteousness. So those in the Old Testament that didn't get a chance to say, Father, forgive me, Jesus, forgive me for my sins, uh, come into my heart because Jesus hadn't come yet. Well, they were uh, brought into the kingdom because they believed in God. They believed what God said. Think about what Abraham's walk. He trusted in God. He believed in God. And it was counted to Abraham as righteousness. Verse 14, it says, For many are called, but few are chosen. Uh, remember the Jews received the first invite into, of the kingdom, but many refused, and therefore they will not be chosen. You have to accept Jesus. You have to let him into your heart. And when the invite went out to whosoever will, many again were invited. However, only those, we're repeating that again, only those who allow themselves to be changed to God's image, to put on Christ and his righteousness will be chosen. So you have to even have on the right garments uh, in order to be chosen. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Because if you're not, there's going to be uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Means you're going to end up, that refers to the final judgment. You're going to end up in hell and you don't want to end up in hell. Jesus didn't want anybody to end up in hell. That wasn't even made for us. That was made for the devil. But that's where we're going to end up if we don't accept him as our Lord and Savior. And I would be amiss if I did not tell you the truth. So if some of you think that's kind of harsh, uh, I, I don't know what to tell you because I got to tell you the truth. I will be held accountable if I don't tell you the truth. Amen. And we want each one of you to be in the ark of safety. So we're going to stop right there and just want to make sure um, we've been talking about accepting Jesus into our heart. Please go to my channel. There are two videos there on a playlist called The Sinner's Prayer. Uh, if you go into that playlist, The Sinner's Prayer, there's the, the, uh, another video called Teaching About Salvation. And both of those videos will teach you why you need Jesus and give you all the scriptures that you need regarding your salvation. So please go on that channel so you can understand why you need Jesus and accept him today. Amen. Amen. Let's just close in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're you're yet saving us, that you're you're yet wooing us, that you're yet calling us, oh God. Thank you for your patience for us, oh Lord. Lord, I pray for anyone out there that has not accepted you into their heart, Lord God, that you show them, Lord Jesus, that you're right there with outstretched arms, waiting for them to say yes to you. Yes to your will, yes to your way. Father, we honor you. We surrender ourselves to you today. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. And I'll see you next week.